Hello, and welcome to the 13th publicly released episode of 33 and a Third, Under 45. This show is a collection of personal essays written by me, Ryan Lynch, each based around an album that I've had on repeat. The next few weeks, I'm releasing previous episodes that are originally available exclusively on Patreon. This episode was originally written on April 15th, 2019. For up-to-date news, episodes, and columns, follow me on Twitter at StupKidLivesOn or go to FranzRadio.com. Or you can follow my band Premium Heart at PremiumHeartNY on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up-to-date on future shows and releases. This month, for April, every Tuesday, starting yesterday, I'm releasing videos on our Instagram and our Facebook and our YouTube channel. If you just search Premium Heart January, you'll see the first one. And they are behind-the-scenes-based videos of me playing some of my favorite parts and breaking down how I wrote them and why I wrote them the way they did. And it's really fun. The first one, the one I released yesterday, like I said, on January, is... Uh, really cool, and it shows some Zelda music in it too. <laughs> so check that all out. Remember, it's Premium Heart NY on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or search Premium Heart January on YouTube. And there'll be one every Tuesday this month. Thanks for listening. Bye. What kind of soundtrack keeps us inspired in a cynical world? I'm Ryan Lynch, and this is 33 and a Third Under 45. time picking what album to cover this month and kept putting it off, but then I fell down an unexpected rabbit hole and ended up deep in early 90s Prince, which is a pretty great place to find yourself. It all started because our stupid president released his first campaign ad for 2020 and used some music from his favorite, I assume, Christopher Nolan movie, Batman The Dark Knight Rises, and had it almost immediately taken down by Warner Brothers for unauthorized use. He has a long history of using music for campaign things without permission, but that's neither here nor there. So I ended up dipping back into the only Batman soundtrack that actually matters, Prince's soundtrack for Batman from 1989, and decided to just continue on from there. Let's broaden our minds. Oh, hey, the new king in town. Since the last time I wrote about Prince, back in November, I've gone through his entire catalog and can sincerely say there's not a single album with his name or symbol on it that I don't love. But a run of albums that really stand out to me are the early to mid-90s, specifically 1991's Diamonds and Pearls. It kicks off with this huge vocal-driven gospel track, Thunder, that you heard at the beginning, that immediately lets you know that you're in Prince's church now. Even though this record isn't one of his universally beloved or top five albums, it's a really fascinating era for Prince. It's his first with a full band lineup since the revolution disbanded five years earlier. This time, the new power generation brings a real 90s party vibe with them. Every song on the record shines with the quirky production, hip-hop beats, and rap verses that immediately take you back to the early 90s. And the album itself perfectly captures that tone. Diamonds and Pearls is a whole lot of fun, but hidden under the party are some deeper undertones. Even with that, though, the vast majority of the album is just about sex and dancing. And there's a whole lot of real 90s slang. You know I eat that kind of thing up. Who couldn't love deep metaphors like Mac Daddy in the house and clocking a freak in the low pro? Plus, the cover has one of those sick holograms that we used to love. Oh, Daddy. Daddy, Bob, 
But even more so than the new music styles Prince was embracing, this era is interesting because Prince was kicking his feud with his label, Warner Brothers, into high gear to get out of his contract. For more on that, I highly recommend his 1996 triple album, Emancipation, his first release after he finally succeeded. This album explicitly lays out the struggle Prince is having after the dopey dance track Jughead in a perfect example of the dichotomy of this record. Tony, you were what you need is a manager. For what? I Money managers are you... like parasites. They pose as wheelers and dealers for your rights. And most companies say that you need them. Not but me. But I kick back, observe, and watch them bleed them. Artists young and old. I can bring you Where to the top. Where did this unwritten law come from anyway? The years after the contract, you should still be getting paid. Boy, I go broke and hit the skids before I take care of a rich sucker's kids. My Hell, contract, a contract ain't no pension plan. My Years contract. after this, my kids are still gonna make the grants. Tony, and you laugh at my brother Little Richard when he says you ain't gave him nothing. Let's leave him out Hell, of this. Hell, I ain't no joke. His songs are still selling that man could die broke. So fellow artists, push for yours. You need And watch me. for Mr. Moneyminder as we settle the score. Tony. Oh. Moments like this really stuck out to me when I realized I only initially grabbed Diamonds and Pearls because of some jackass trying to steal someone else's music to fearmonger in a propaganda video. There's a lot more here than just catchy songs like the title track, Diamonds and Pearls, or singles like Cream. It's more than Prince fully embracing the 90s sound. It really is a time capsule for 1991, both for Prince and for the world around him. Immediately after Jughead comes Money Don't Matter Tonight, which seems like a sexy 90s slow jam until... And it got me thinking about the context of the world in 1991. This album came out in between what I would consider the two defining moments of George H.W. Bush's presidency. The first Iraq war had been over for just over seven months, and that imagery was obviously still very present in the public's eye. And just over the horizon, about a year later, the first President Bush was about to pardon most of the people involved in the Iran-Contra scandal to finalize the cover-up of one of the biggest presidential scandals in American history. And who is the Attorney General who pushed this gross misstep of justice? William Barr, of course, the man who wrote the synopsis of the Mueller report. So maybe this fun trip to the early 90s was a bit less of an escape than I thought it would be. Nostalgia can be a great tool to dip into and get away from it all for a bit, but I've been trying to remember that a lot of the bad parts about the times I finally look back on are still here and have really only gotten worse. But, like everything, it's more important than ever to contextualize the whole picture. We still found reasons to dance and fall in love in the 90s, and we sure as hell will now too. So don't let the bastards get you down.
give you the incredible flying machine.